0: so episode 64 at betsy call is about to start and i need to apologize in the beginning because our skype connection wasn't the greatest so you will hear some muffled words some in and out and i tried to edit it as best as possible so it doesn't get too annoying but it's still a great episode we're going to get into why kettlebells are amazing, we're going to get into how Betsy started her own gym, how to deal with difficult clients, and what Betsy is currently struggling with hormonally, and what she's doing to get through this phase of her life. So let's get this episode started, and here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me is the one and only Betsy Colley. Say hello.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. So to start us off, I always ask, what do you got planned for the weekend?
1: Well, um, I was going to go to the lake for the whole weekend leading to tomorrow, but because of the, the weather that we've been having globally, uh, Friday and Saturday here is supposed to be thunderstorms and rains so I'm probably not going to go up to our lake uh lake house until Sunday so I'll have Sunday and Monday up there so a little bit of time off from work which is um is a uh, something to look forward to so I uh I will be up there part of the weekend
0: awesome so before we uh, started the whole interviewer I mentioned that you were from North Carolina and what's like what's the thing to do in North Carolina
1: that's a good question. Um, well, where I live in North Carolina, we're in Durham, North Carolina, which is sort of the a central part of the state. Um, so we can get to the, we can get to the beach in two hours and we can get to the mountains in about three. So we're in a really good location to enjoy both landscapes. Um, but if you're talking locally, you know, our terrain and our seasons are so um, rich. And in, in other words, we get, you know all four seasons and there's lots of great terrain um so anything outdoors is always good i mean we do get a lot of humidity but um in north carolina you know just from a leisure activity standpoint socially we have a lot of great outdoor music concerts and a lot of you know one of the things i love about eating out at a restaurant here is that almost every single restaurant has outdoor seating and that's something that we can do here almost year round um even though i said we have four seasons but winters are mild and you, you know that's about the only time we would go indoors most of the time we eat out which i really enjoy um so just from that social aspect you know there's a lot of outdoor activity versus indoor
0: awesome a lot of sun- yep um so for the audience can you tell them who you are what you do and how did you get into this industry
1: Sure. Um, so uh, my title uh, nationally is Senior uh, Strong First Instructor. So that means that I teach nationally at the certifications and also teach user courses around the U.S. Um, and then my role here locally is I own a gym called Rapid Results Fitness, and I'm the head instructor there. Um, there are five of us, um, four of us work, or should say four work alongside me in instructing and we're going on our 10th year. Um, so I'm super excited about that. I started the gym back in 2008. And, um, so it's been a great 10 years so far or almost 10 years. It will be 10 in January. Um, and then the way I got involved in it, uh, I've always been in the fitness industry literally since I was 18. That was probably the first group fitness class I ever taught. And, um, and then it just blossomed from there. That was not my career. My career goal was actually marketing and sales, so I, I always had fitness on the side as a part-time job. But it turned full-time, honestly, when my kids um, were coming up through the toddler ages. Um, and and it really, really took off uh, when I started doing kettlebell work. And that's when I opened my own gym and um and that was like i said 2007 um and then opened the doors in 2008 so it's been a gosh it's been an exciting um journey so far
0: awesome so so how did you get into kettlebells in the first place
1: um so i had a friend here locally who was training with a guy uh and uh, and she was hearing me complain awesome. <laughs> about um about the fitness industry and how there's no quality in, uh, and I have to be, you know, I have to temper my own words sometimes, but I think I did say there's no quality in the fitness industry, blah, blah, blah. And and really, you know, that was making some general, general statements. They're really, I mean, there's some great trainers out there, and a lot of them are doing it well. And, but at the time, I was just so frustrated with um, not being able to, you know, stop a group class dynamic and teach form, um, break down things, correct form, cue properly. It was just, you know, it was just the the sign of the times where, you know, the, the music playing in the background, oh, it's my favorite song, you know, move the, whatever you were doing, do it faster, don't worry about technique. And um, so I was just getting really frustrated. And so my friend um, said, you, you guys, you sound so much like my trainer, you guys have got to meet. And long story short, I ended up, um, meeting him. Um, his name is Jeff Newpert. And that's actually how I learned kettlebells. Um, he, you know, made a phone call. He said, yeah, just come by the, um, studio and, you know, I'll show you what these kettlebells are like. And, and we just, you know, I was just kind of playing around with him based on what he was teaching me. And next thing you know, you know, I'm, I'm hook, line and sinker. And, just fell in love with the whole kettlebell, um, aspect of training, the modality itself, how it really, um, so integrated with the body. And, and that's, that's really how it started for me.
0: That's awesome. So did you start going into say like the RKC first or did you go straight to strong first?
1: Yeah, I went to the RKC first at that time. Um, when I came through kettlebells, um, I was training, two times a week with Jeff, uh, in 2007, in June of 2007, I think is when I started. And then by that October, um, I was ready to go. I went to the cert in October of, of 2007 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, just absolutely fell in love with, you know, everything that we were learning. Um, you know, Pavel of course was, teaching the CERT at that time. That's where I met Brett Jones and a lot of the other um, seniors at the time. And then through the ranks of RKC, um, Pavel appointed me team leader, um, RKC team leader. And then of course the split happened um, a few years after that. And basically I followed who I had learned all my skills from, which was Pavel and other mentors in the leadership. So, um, that's how we kind of broke off there.
0: Awesome. So what kind of advice would you have for someone prepping for their RKC or strong first? Cause the requirements are pretty tough, like especially the snatch tests. Like how would you help someone prep for that test?
1: Um, well, certainly what I, what I always say to, even to my students that aren't considering going to the cert, for example, although some have gone, um, I would say, you know, time with the bells, uh, I think quick, p- people are quick to jump to the next thing. Like, oh, I, I, I've done kettlebells with a trainer for a few times. I love it. I think I'll go and get my certification. Um, I, I appreciate that motivation and that drive to do it, but I also tell people you need a length of time um, to, to really get to know where your weak, strengths and weaknesses are with the kettlebell um, and then I always follow that up with nowadays there are a lot of us out there from the strong first world, from the RKC world that, you know, that you can get in front of now. Um, we're more prevalent than we were like when I was coming through. So um, so my advice now is if you have a chance to get in front of a strong first instructor, you know, absolutely do that. You're going to learn it's going to cut the learning curve, you know, and make it easier uh, time-wise perhaps. Um, but I also tell people that, you know, I know we've heard this in other situations where we say don't rush the journey. Enjoy the process. Because what, if you're truly wanting to teach others, your best knowledge that you pass on to someone is not going to be from this cert weekend. It's going to be from your experience with the Bells and how you, you know, found what your weaknesses were and how you began to cue yourself and get through that. And, you know, um, but, but also having a really experienced pair of eyes on your form can make all the difference in preparation for the search. So, you know, there are a lot of us out there that we can get to you through video even. I mean, obviously live is better. It's more efficient and we can make immediate changes with your form right then and there. But sometimes the next best next best thing is a video, you know, long distance session from time to time.
0: And I think you said a really good thing there is like people want results so quickly and you got to enjoy the process. And like, that's what I deal with clients all the time is like, you know, they come in, they're like, I want to lose weight. I want to get stronger. I want to do this, this, and this, and they almost expect it to be like in 30 days. But you're like, honestly, it might take like six months to a year. Absolutely it's just because like i think in our day and age now because everything's so quick and fast like you can order something on amazon and then 24 hours you have a book in front of your door and now they think that the same thing goes for their body
1: it is so true it is so true and actually to piggyback on both scenarios the person that comes to you for a fat loss goal and the person that comes to you for a you know a um, preparation for a certification, this one rule still applies to both scenarios. And here we are basically talking about beginner and advanced, maybe. You know, sometimes instructors come to a, a, a prep situation thinking they're advanced, right? And, and maybe they are in some modalities, um, which might set them up for an easier learning curve. But this one rule still applies. There has to be a strength base to meet that goal. So a strength base to, to meet the fat loss goal, you know, when you, when, in terms of training, there has to be a, a, an adequate base of strength. The same is true for the instructor that wants to be a certified, you know, strong first kettlebell instructor. There has to be a base of strength in order for them to learn the technique, especially when you're talking about the snatch test. That is a strength-based test. It, it seems like it's a cardio test or <laughs> some variation of that, but it's really a strength test. So that, that base of strength, think about it from the terms of someone who comes to you for a fat loss goal, and they're weak, and they're trying to do what the trainer tells them to do, but they injure themselves. Well, did they meet their fat go- loss goal? No. Why? because of injury or why they get injured because they were weak their muscles couldn't perform what they were being asked to do you see where i'm going with that so the base strength base truly matters in both scenarios
0: and i think um the reason why i like strong first and the rkc certification is that you don't just show up to the cert and then after the weekend you just get a piece of paper that you know you did it you actually have to put yourself through it And I like Mm -hmm. certifications like that where you actually have to show, like, movement proficiency and not just like, oh, yeah, I learned this thing. I'm going to start using it for all my clients.
1: It's true. And you know what's amazing to me, too, even after teaching at the cert, you know, you think all of this you get used to and you take it for granted, maybe. It's really interesting when you come away from the cert, even as an instructor teaching there, you're renewed in the values that we hold to one another a little extra. um So I think from that standpoint, um, there's something really special about when someone leaves that certification they want to uphold the best training, you know, mentality they can. And it's just kind of weird how that kind of happens organically there.
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to go back to the beginning. And when you opened your gym, did you, like, get certified and right away opening your gym? Or did you train out of another gym and built up your clientele? Like, how was your journey into, like, hey, I want to open a gym and I'm going to go do it right now?
1: Um, that's an interesting piece of, of the, I think, the success uh, that happened in the beginning. And, and what happened was I was working at another box gym. Um, it was a, it was not a franchise, but it was um, a locally owned um, box gym that I had actually been there for 11 years. I was quite a loyal nester, if you will. And, um, and I fought at different places as well, but that was still my home base. So, um, having said that, when I, when I found the kettlebell work and got certified, I came back to that gym and I said, look, I have found the thing that is going to make resilient bodies and, and just put, just turn, just make a shift in the, in this environment. Right. Well, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. (laughs) They were like, "Eh, we just want to keep doing what we're doing, you know, so that was like writing on the wall for me. I was like, I gotta go. I don't want to go. I want to stay here and make a difference, you know. But I, I gotta go. So, what happened was I started a beta. We, I held two beta classes out of Jeff's gym, and his gym was just a kind of a hole in the wall place. It was not a fancy. I mean, really, literally, it was. You walk into a room. <laughs> There was, there were maybe, you know, maybe there was a water cooler, maybe there wasn't. I mean, there was a clock <laughs> on the wall, and that was about it. So um, he said, you can run two beta classes, you know, out of my little lease space and um, and see what happens. And so I had two classes, uh, one on Tuesday, Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Because I was, st- remember, I was still teaching classes at the other gym. So I kind of did them in off hours, um, Tuesday, Thursday at 1030. And I think I had something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 a.m. And basically I had 15 people per class. So I had 30 people at that time. And I was like, well, I think that's enough to open the gym. (laughs) And that sounds a little far-fetched, but they were all willing to take a you know, a chance on what I was doing. And a lot of those people had been my clients or my students at the other gym, but some had not. They just followed me because they were very interested in what we were doing. So once those those happened, that happened for about – that happened for two months. So I came back from that um, RKC weekend, I believe on, like, October 17th, something like that, and I started the classes – the very next week. So October to November, November to December, and then I opened the gym on January first. It was speed lightning crazy. But I was so passionate about this. And and remember I had a little bit of a marketing background, so I and I business was my major, so I had, you know, some bare bone basics to figure out how to do the, you know, some of the work behind the scenes. So it took off, and, you know, I tell you, when you're driven like that, and I'd lived in this town long enough, I knew I knew enough about our um, industry to to make smart decisions without making too much of a, you know, you don't want to go too big too soon kind of thing. So I went really small, and it paid off.
0: Well, that's awesome. Like, it sounded like it just took off really quick. And I think the big thing for you is that you actually realized that that other gym you weren't going to progress at all. And I think mm. a lot of coaches kind of fall into that where they're at a gym, they're training, and they can't progress themselves, but they don't realize it, and they just get stuck right. there. And they almost, yep. like, they get burnt out because it's not fun anymore. Whereas exactly. if you start your own business, you have more control, and you're, like, excited to, like, start on a new project because no one's going to say no to it.
1: Right, that's true. And, it's you know, it is a lot hard, you know, it's harder work, but... One of the things that um, that I've I really learned along the way is, for example, when I started the business, the business name is sort of generic. It's rapid results fitness. and that might sound a little hokey, but one of the reasons we chose that name is because I didn't want to be pigeonholed to that name. Like I didn't want to use the word kettlebell in it if things, didn't quite take off the way I wanted, you know. Um, I knew that the kettlebell would be the predominant tool of choice in the in the program, and it still is today. It is it is a ke- we specialize in kettlebell work. We're the only gym in the area that does that, um, and and it's withstood the test of time so far. Um, and a lot of my peers, well, not my peers, because they're they're maybe higher than me in different environments had said, nah, that's never going to work. That specialized gym not going to work, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, it works in our area. It really does. Um, but the point to the story is, you know, I realized that what I thought I needed to do to make this gym successful, I really actually had to learn something different. And that is, and this is the most important thing I have i have um, stayed true to as an instructor is that you're always constantly educating somebody. As soon as you stop approaching your student or your client that way, you're not going to do a good job instructing. Because, did you get that?
0: Uh, You just came back in now, but I think the last basically minute, it just kind of cut out the entire time.
1: So now I can use a bad word and go, what the hell? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) What did I miss? Well, what did you miss? What was the last you know, inspiring thing I said.
0: Um, it, it kind of <laughs> led up to like the most important thing that I learned. And then it kind of just kept cutting in and out. And it was just like all muffled. <laughs> oh,
1: it kept everyone on the edge of their seat. All yeah. right. So, so the most important aspect of where I am today, where I think the program is outlasting, you know, uh, so far is the fact that I have not let go of the fact that we're educating people first. And when they walk through the doors, it's not they're not supposed to know. They're not supposed to remember. Uh, maybe they had never heard this before. You know, you're supposed to educate them. We're educators first before we call ourselves a trainer or a coach or whatever. And I think if more of us took that role, we would slot better progression in our students, and we would also have a renewed passion in what we're doing, and we wouldn't hit that burnout maybe so much.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I was going to ask, what do you do when you have a client that's kind of struggling and you know they're trying their best, but they're just not getting the results that they want? And they might be, you know, they might miss one week, the next week they're there, and then the next two weeks they're gone, and then the week after they're good to go. But how do you kind of get through those tough clients?
1: Um, Sometimes I think the best... um the best way that I have found is, you know, we do an email support program uh, or as part of our program where we send them um, support emails regularly to think about things in their life outside of the training aspect. And that's very helpful because, you know, they'll read it and they'll go, oh, God, she's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> But but really the best um, situation that I think works well for, for them and for me is I will just personally email them and ask them, you know, what's going on. And, and it's not to bug them. It's not to make them feel bad. It's, you know, it's not to put a guilt trip on them. I'm genuinely concerned about them because this is going to sound really old school, but In our program, we still do things the old-fashioned way, meaning when they come into the gym, they sign in on a piece of paper, and that is so antiquated. I'm sure if anyone's listening to this podcast, they go, Oh, my God, why isn't she using mind-body? Why isn't she using X, Y, Z? The thing of it is I don't want to create an extra step for them. Most of the people have a hard enough time trying to figure out if they're going to get to the gym or not. And I don't want to create another bridge. I want them to just show up. And so if they don't show up, then I'll call them and go, Where are you? Are you okay? I know you were traveling last week. What's happened? Did you get injured? You know? Um, So it's that kind of feedback that seems to be the most helpful to them. And this is them telling me later, I'm so glad you called me. Thank you for reaching out. So I get that really the first line of their email back to me is, thank you so much for reaching out.
0: Okay. And what do you think of, like, because every coach has their own opinion about this, but I've been asking it a lot, is what do you think about firing a client if they're not being adherent enough to their training and their nutrition?
1: I've never had to fire one. Um, It's sad to say, but I think they... Weed themselves out on their own, if that makes sense. Nope, um, yeah, it does. I think what happens is they end up sabotaging themselves. Um, and 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 what I mean is, think about it like this: um, the message that a lot of good trainers, you know, keep sending, is the same broken record if you will and, and i mean that in a in a good way like we're not we're not following a fad we're not following a trend you know the the good trainers out there are are saying the same message maybe they say it in a different cueing style or whatever to resonate with that student but you know we're still sending the same message if you will right and so if you hold on to that thought for a second and then if you look at the client who keeps not showing up they're inconsistent they're this they're that or oh, maybe they're coming and they're still bucking you while they're there, right? So they're, they're, their message isn't matching your message. And they just end up weeding themselves out. Um, and it's sad because sometimes it's in form of sabotage. They don't mean to do it to themselves, but they're doing it. Um, then there's a, there are other times where a person shows up um, over and over again and they still are just I don't know, non-compliant when they come. Um, I think the only time, and I would never say I fired them, but it was for an injury situation. Um, this was early on when we first set up. Uh, gosh, it's probably it's probably my first year of teaching um, kettlebells. I literally, there was a guy in the class who kept picking up the kettlebell in, incorrectly kept picking up the kettlebell incorrectly every single time. And this guy had a a very important job outside. I mean, he was a physician outside of training. And I told him, I said, this is for your own good. Please do not pick up the kettlebell that way again, please. And it was just so blatantly obvious that I was calling him out every single time that he didn't come back the next time. But here's the deal. And this sounds crazy. He ended up writing the best um, referral review of my teaching skills, even though he never came back. And so for any of the trainers out there listening, don't be afraid. Act on your intuition when you see bad form because you're saving someone from an injury. They They may fire themselves from you, but it might be the best thing that ever happened. So... You know, I know every case is different, but I've never really had to fire someone. They just kind of weeded themselves out of the program on their own.
0: Yeah, like same with me. I would never fire a client because I just, I just feel like cause I'm almost responsible for their health, and I would never want to be like, ah, it's not worth my time. Like that'd yeah. be like equivalent to a doctor seeing someone sick and is like, yeah, you're not, you don't want it enough, so I'm not gonna help you. But
1: Exactly.
0: But the thing is, is like, I think the big thing you said is like the self sabotage because the moment, at least for me, like I've seen this behavior with clients where if they miss one week because of whatever, they're Mm -hmm. more likely to skip the following week because now they've fallen out of the habit and they'll make excuses in their head for it. And one client in particular I have in my head and we've talked about this before and she knows she falls into this all the time where one week she'll miss I will literally just text her and be like, what's going on? Why aren't you coming in? And she'll like, after a couple of like messages back and forth, she'll be like, honestly, I sat on my couch and I just don't feel like going.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: and yep. it's so interesting how, because like trainers are not normal. Like we like wake up and we're like, I can't wait to deadlift heavy today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clients don't do that. So we have to like almost meet them halfway. And I think sometimes coaches get frustrated when clients are not like them. And it's like just meet them halfway where they're at and figure out another way to not have them think that way and make it make the experience at the gym more enjoyable and they want to come. At least that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and I think part of that is also the fact that you realize pretty quickly what you're signing up for as a trainer. Um, you're you're you become. And now some tra- trainers may have a different philosophy, but for me, what works well is that I realized that there's a lot of emotional um, shared capacity, if you will. There's a lot of um, psychological um, stuff that goes on between trainer and client. And if you're not willing as a trainer to, like you said, meet them halfway on some of those levels, you're probably not going to have a good impact on that person. Um don't get me wrong, I'm not saying every every client you deal with has to be a touchy-feely relationship or anything like that. But you do have to meet them where they are emotionally, psychologically, mentally, intellectually, physically. I mean, if someone's trying to get into the trainer world and thinks it's all about phys- physicality and how well they bench press or deadlift or how many pull-ups they can do, that is not what this is about.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: We're going to be sorely disappointed um because uh the the success of you know and success on the other end as a trainer you know when you walk out of your job dog tired but you can say you're thankful for the fact that you know client a or, or student a um smiled when she left the gym that day that's actually a really good thing You know, maybe she didn't deadlift what you wanted her to that day, or what you thought she should be able to do at that point in her training. But there's a lot of stresses that go out on outside in everyone's life beyond those training walls that you have no idea about. And so every little thing we do right with them in that four, you know, in that hour session or whatever, can truly be a life changing episode for them. So you kind of have to be able to get on that level with them and meet them halfway
0: Yeah, and I always try to like tell clients that they should celebrate the small stuff Mm because the big milestones are really hard to get to and it's sometimes like I find this for myself because I run my own business and you always want like the best thing for your business you want to grow super fast but it takes forever and most of the time you're making mistakes and you're hitting your head against the wall but you almost have to like remind yourself that you're going in the right direction. So I kind of apply the same thing for clients that, you know, if they I don't, ate breakfast for the first time and they've never eaten breakfast before, I like I take the time to be like, that's freaking awesome. Or yeah. if they like added an extra day during the week to go to the gym, I'm like, that's freaking huge. You're making health a priority. And they're like, oh, that is, that is a good thing. Awesome, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I think that phrase, you know how they said, um and you got to spin this in a positive light to to the point that you're making there. You know how you've heard the uh, phrase when you're <laughs> when you're dating someone or you're married to someone, and it's they say things like it's the little things that drive you crazy, right? Yeah. Um, it's not the big things; it's the little things that someone fights over or this and that. Same thing is true in our in our achievements, you know, or in the journey, if you will. It's in the little steps, you know, and uh, at the end of the day you have to remind yourself as a business owner, well, what little things went right today? Because the little things add up to big things. And that's true with our business. It's true with our clients. It's true with our own performance, you know. Um, I just, we're, we're really hard on each other and we're hard on ourselves. Um, we're all guilty of wanting it too fast and or too soon and we compare a lot with what other people are doing. I mean, I have to constantly reevaluate, we reevaluate myself when I'm thinking about business and, you know, what's working and what's not without, without, again, use the word sabotage without sabotaging my program. Right. Cause we want to be aware of what's going on around us, but we also, you know, need to temper, um, why we're doing ask ourselves why are we doing what we're doing and is it working you know and that's true of training your client it's true of your your own training you know knowing why you're doing what you're doing is half the success
0: and like the next kind of question i want to get into because you sort of bring it up yourself is like how do you find the time to train other people train yourself run your business and be a mom and have a family and do everything like how do you construct your day that you actually can check off everything
1: you know it is a crazy thing I guess I'm one of these fools that loves um busy busy life full life I mean I'm not a workaholic I would not call me that at all because I um but I would say I'm one of these worker bees you know if you had to um, we talk about being in a beehive, you know, someone in the strong first community or may even have started in the RKC. We were talking about the fact that, you know, when you find yourself with like-minded individuals, you know, you, we all want to be a part of the same beehive. <laughs> so I'll use myself as a worker bee, right? Um, I enjoy a full life, but it does take balance. And so for me, what drives me to be able to stay check off those things, is that I have to keep things in a balance. Um, And all I mean by the word balance is training is important to me um, because I need it for the endorphins, you know. I think if you go too long without doing what you know is good for you from an an inside-out kind of way, like training your body from the inside out, I know regardless of how I look that day or how I felt that day, I know there's going to be a chemical release, you know, within my brain from training. That's going to make me better at, and then there goes the to-do list: at being a mom, at being a wife, at being a trainer, you know, at cleaning my house, at you know whatever it is you got to do, at paying my bills, at writing an article or writing someone's training, because um, it's important to me that that all those things are in a healthy balance. And that's sort of my motivation for doing certain, certain things in a certain way. And I don't know if that's making any sense. I feel like I'm rambling now. But I, I, I think that there's a balance, and everyone's balance looks different to them. But for me, it's, it's getting the training in. It's getting the quality time with my family, the quality time with my clients, and also quality sleep quality rest for me um and so somehow that that ba- you know the balance looks different from day to day but overall there's a sense of balance to my craziness
0: if that makes any sense <laughs> it does it does. and like the big thing is like making things that are important to you a priority and i think clients mm-hmm. i don't i don't really think clients when they get into the gym and start exercising they don't right away make it a priority they just know they have have to do it because that's what everyone does and it's good for your health. And those are the same clients probably that, you know, if they miss one week, it's like no big deal. And Mm -hmm. I've brought this up with other coaches is like, I have two moms that I train in particular. One uh, comes in one day a week and she told me that it's like a miracle that she can make it in. She has no job. She's a housewife. She has two kids to take care of, but then they go to school from Mm -hmm. whatever, like 8.30 to 3 p.m. every day. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And then my other mom that I train, she has three kids, trains three days a week at 6 a.m., and has a full-time job. And I'm like, how are these two people different? Like, how are they thinking? Like, how... Mm -hmm. It's just interesting to me that, you know, one person coming in one day a week with two kids and has essentially less responsibility doesn't, like see the opportunities that she has to like really make health a priority. But again, I'm not living their life and it can be completely different, but is it just an outside look in? And I just find it so interesting that people are like that.
1: Yeah, no, it's a definite fair question. And, And it, and it, and I think as a trainer, you need to, you do need to probably look at those questions with some heartfelt, you know, reasoning because, um, Because I ask the same, you know, um, what else is going on in their life that's causing them to feel like they can't come in and train if, you know, if they've got, whereas you've got this other one who probably because of her work life lives in structure. You know, that's one of the first obvious things I will say is that person that has the work life eight to five and believe me, I am not saying because I was a stay at home mom. For you know many years, uh, even though I had the part-time fitness going on, uh, there's a lot of work to be done at home. You know, even when the kids go off to school, but uh, but still, it's I think it's the amount of structure that a person gets used to in a job setting that may make it easier for them to say yes to a training session before they start their day. Whereas a mom who stay at home. There might not be that accountable structure and they drop their kids off to school they come back home maybe they clean the house maybe they do the laundry maybe they finally sit down maybe they go back to sleep i mean i don't know there's a lot of reasons maybe but uh i think it's i think it's worth knowing because that's how we're going to solve the issue or, or work through the issue together with that client is to talk about, well, what is your day like? You know, where can we carve out time for you? Um, because without asking those questions, those hard questions, um, it's hard to get them on a path that they can sustain, you know? And and what you're trying to do, hopefully, especially if it's a private, private training client, um, I try to get them to a point where they're sustainable on their own. Um, not that I don't want private training clients, I do, but... I kind of want them to be able to do this on their own. That's the beauty of a kettlebell, right? So, yes, I do barbell lifts, lifting and bodyweight exercise, too. We throw all that in as, as extras, too. But I want them to be able to be self-sufficient. And I stay-at-home mom with those kids out of the house finally in school. That's her time for freedom to get her work done at home and train, So, you know, maybe you spin it a different way with some of those folks that need that extra hand-holding and and assuredness that someone believes in them that this can be done. We can figure this out together, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think another thing is, like, sometimes people just don't know how to say no to things, and they just add Mm -hmm. stuff to their schedule constantly, and it just becomes this, like, huge day of stuff. And I remember I used to train this woman— she had three kids all signed up to three different sports, and all she did was just drive around all the time. And I'm like, holy crap, Like, that that was like not a good choice to do to sign up your kids to that many sports at one time.
1: No, I agree. That's just crazy. I, I have three boys, so I know what all the sport life is like. Um, and, uh, you know, all I can say is that you have to make, uh, a conscious effort about what is making you healthy. I think, you know, I, I was about to say the phrase that we've always heard, you've got to make time for me. Well, I don't think that's the right way to phrase it anymore. It's not specific enough because someone can say that phrase and mean, yeah, I want to go to the bar and have a drink with my friends because I just need to relax, right? That's the me time. Well, I think we need to start phrasing it a little more specifically like I need to take time for me and do the things that makes me a healthier me. It's got to be a, <laughs> a longer phrase. I'm getting wordy, but I think that's the part we're missing. Because a mom who's tired and been running around in the car, she might say, I just want to sit down at home because I've been running everyone around. I need some me time. Well, that's not actually good for your hip flexors and your back and your this and your that. You know, so there's a part of me that goes, we got to spin it in a way that motivates them to to be, like you said earlier on, to become more healthy. And then when that becomes a priority, then they start carving out time for that. And it's just it's sometimes it's an easy process for some and for others, it's painstakingly slow. And for the trainer training that person, it's never fast enough, you know.
0: Well, I also think, like, even when people are super tired, I tell all my clients and anyone that I meet that are, like, struggling to get to the gym, I tell them, like, just get through the warm-up and see how you feel. Because, like, nine out of ten times, after you are done your warm-up, you feel a lot better, and you actually have more energy than you started coming into the gym with.
1: Right. Absolutely. And and all my clients know this, too, in the group setting. This is, again, what I love about our our program and... and a gym that you own yourself where you can customize the training. Granted, we have the training written as it's to be done, but I modify everything I have to for any of the clients that come in. And, uh, and that modification can be as simply as meeting them where they are based on their level of um, ability to move, right? Um, but also it can be customized based on how they're feeling that day. I have a, a student that came in today and, um, you know, you know she's going through a rough time. Um, she had a loved one pass away, and you know, unexpectedly. Um, and so, to the point of, you meet that person where they are that day, and if they need a total modification or they need permission. And granted, you know, as a trainer, they can tell you, you know, if if they're too tired to do the fourth set, right? But sometimes they need a, they need permission. They need to be verbally said, you know, Betsy. Uh, or, you know, uh, Rafael, Rafael, I've got your back. You don't have to do the next round today. You've been through a lot today. Let's see how this third round feels before you do a fourth round. They need that. They need that feedback. And and you're right. I think that's a very good way to enter a training session to say, let's get through the warm-up. Maybe the warm-up is all you need today. And that's okay. I've told – I had a new father come in the other day. You could – see he was wound up as tight as you know a clock or whatever he came in he goes is it okay if I just train in with the class for 20 minutes I said absolutely that is absolutely okay and that's what he did and he couldn't thank me enough he goes and this is why I trust you I trust your program you allow me to listen to my body and do what I can do and that's where you got it like you said earlier meet them where they are meet them halfway and so that's sound advice
0: yeah definitely and like a lot of clients and just people in general they always think like every workout has to be like balls to the wall hard if you're mm-hmm. not sweating you're not getting anywhere but it's like just move move and feel absolutely. better like that's all you gotta do
1: absolutely and if you watch any of uh, our social media if you watch some of the trainers that train uh, like, you know, my colleagues in Strong First, for example, if you watch some of our training, we're not beating ourselves up. Granted, we can't show you the full training moment because, you know, we can't t- post all that length of footage. But if you look at what we're training, we're, we're not throwing ourselves into this you know, uh, boxing ring to be beaten up. We're, we're trying to train smart. And some of my best training uh, with results later have come from not overtraining. And i tell you, that's, that's a feel good when you get to be my age. I mean, I am relishing in the fact that I have kept a resilient body all these years through training. And that's, That's my mojo. That's my ammo. That's what I'm looking for when I move forward with my next training goal. You know, whatever that may be, I'm looking to keep a resilient body. And that's sort of what I'm aiming for. I try to tell people there's a cumulative effect. Whatever you do right, whatever you do wrong, there's a cumulative effect that goes with your aging process. And you have to ask yourself what cumulative effect is going to show up when you're 50, when you're 60, when you're 70. And you're responsible for some of that. So that's my my mantra right now.
0: Um, So I've been asking this, too, to a lot of coaches because, you know, again, clients look at us as these perfect human beings and we figured life out. But um, what are you struggling with right now? And it can be anything.
1: Yeah, I think for me... um, this it goes right now if you ask me you know where i am right now it's it's personally physically going through menopause i'm going through menopause that has brought about changes that um make me really stop and pay attention um hormonally how how much our body is governed by our hormones our hormone levels especially the female population and and all the females out there can say amen i know well i can say gals out there that haven't reached this yet um, don't use it as a crutch but know that the menopause thing is really real (laughs) hormonally my you know hormones are all over the place having a good um, healthy uh, regimen if you will has made things a lot less of an effect on me but it also the rules apply whatever the healthy rules are about eating protein and doing all the right things it becomes even more magnified when you go through menopause. So that's the one issue I would say I'm going through personally. Then the other stressor um, that I think um, people in my age bracket are going through is if they're married and they have children, they're dealing with stress levels of what their children may be going through. So like minor college age, they're going through a lot of bumps in the road you know, that you didn't think you were going to have to deal with as a parent. I think I kind of sold myself at some point where I thought, well, if they get, if they just get through high school, everything's going to be okay. Or if they just go off to college, you know, we've turned a corner. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you that that ain't exactly how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> there are no guarantees, you know. So if you say, well, really, so what is it? I'm, I'd say it's just the stress of knowing that these people are trying to find their way as a, as young adults and, you know, you never stop worrying about your kids. Right. And so you don't think that plays a part in your everyday life, even though they're not living under your roof, but it does. And, um, so it's me balancing those kind of stresses with my own personal physical stress of hormone changes. And then, and then back to the Regular routine of keeping everything in balance, you know, work life, play life, um, family life, me time. Um, And so when you have that awareness about what you're going through, that's half the battle. So that's what I would tell people as a positive side of where I am. It's being able to talk about it. It's being able to realize it for what it is. Uh, And then also know this, just because you're in it now, Thank God our lives are dynamic. Thank God we're not living in a static life where you go, yep, that's what you got. That's how your life's going to roll. It's not like that. Thank goodness, right? Um, Whatever obstacle you're facing today doesn't have to be your obstacle five days from now. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't. Um, That's the, the blessing of having, you know, we live a dynamic life, not a static one.
0: So what are, like, a couple changes that you had to do dealing with your hormones now? And Because, like, I don't think there's enough information out there about menopause in our industry. So I'm kind of curious, like, what did you have to adjust in your life to kind of get through this kind of phase?
1: Well, I will tell you that I noticed um, extremely um, quickly how... Uh, the hormone levels when they started changing obviously they affected the menstrual cycle and you go through all those really hard peaks and valleys of oh my god you know why is the? for the guys out there I'm sorry but if you come even remotely close to a female client or a girlfriend or spouse you need to hear this if you know if their menstrual cycle is off the chart and they're extremely heavy and it's coming from nowhere and You know, it's part of the natural process. Right before menopause, you're going to possibly go through an extreme amount of, you know, heavy bleeding that you didn't expect to have. No one told you or maybe they told you and they say, oh, I can go do something about it. Well, I chose not to do anything. I am naturally just letting this thing take its course, and it's a pain in the ass. You know that part that I was you were dealing with the heavy menstrual flow and blah blah blah. I mean, my girlfriends know I had to deal with it. Strong first, uh,
0: Jeez. <laughs> and
1: yeah, you know, workshop, and there you go. You're like, could you have? Could this happen on the worst possible time? <laughs> then that. Then there was the hormonal, you know, hot flashes and this and that. A lot of that can be. Um, Offset by really keeping good nutritional habits, making sure you get enough omega, omega-3s, omega eating protein at every meal, uh, the muscle loss and the fat gain around the middle. I'm telling you that's real. That's not some woman just deciding to go eat nachos, okay? I used to think I was one of these girls. Oh, she just, she just letting her body go. No, <laughs> she's not. <laughs> it's real. Now, you'll look at me, and, and someone's probably going to run to Facebook and try to find pictures. And someone would also say, "Betsy, stop it! You've got, you've not gained, you know, 15 pounds. No, I haven't. But there has been a fat um, deposit change, and it's real. It 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 happens around the midsection, you know, when the estrogen levels drop. And um, so, from that, you know, standpoint, what do you do co- to combat it? What I've done personally is, and I'm in the process of of really doing that right now. I have gone back to making sure that I'm extremely vigilant about getting enough protein daily because we are losing some muscle, um, and I don't want to lose anymore. I mean, I'm on the thin side anyway. I'm, um, you know, long arm, lean girl, a dancer body, if you will, because that was my formal training was in ballet and jazz growing up and, um, so, you know, I have a lean body. I'm, I've never been a, a stout body. But regardless of that, protein is extremely important. It was before menopause hit. It's even more so now. Uh, for me, what I've done is try to drop just a few calories per day to offset any of the metabolic rate slowdown that seems to happen from time to time in this whole menopause thing. Um you know, I haven't scientifically been tested or, or any of that, but I can feel uh, things like the fact that I'm not nearly as hungry as I used to be, which shows me that my metabolic rate has changed. Um, so I'm trying to do a better job of protein intake and, and maybe cutting carbs carbs, or not carbs, calories just a little bit so that there's a little bit of deficit. Um, when I feel like I'm starting to go into some fat storage that I'm, you know, just trying to offset the belly weight. And it seems to be working. I I seem to feel um, just as strong in the gym. Uh, So I haven't lost performance per se, which is good. My weight is the same, which is good. It's just trying to offset those little menopause changes. And so far it's working, but it took me a little while. I had to kind of see the, the change. And also be forgiving about what's happening to my body. Um, two weeks ago, I think, I went on a trip to Turks and Caicos, and uh, I was extremely bloated. I don't know why. <laughs> my diet hadn't changed. I mean, this is the <laughs> Raphael, you're probably going like, oh, my God. Wow. But it's true. There's a lot of bloatedness that goes on with this crap. You know, you want to feel and look your, good, your best self, and then we can come off. It's hormonal. So you got to be forgiving to yourself, and this some, you know, be responsible for what you put in your mouth, you know, and what kind of sleep you're getting, and you know, are you really paying attention to the stressors that that um, in, increase cortisol levels? Because that's all a part of the hormonal shifts that are happening. So, you know, if anyone has a private message that they want to ask me, feel free to, you know call me or email me and i'll give them the lowdown i get a lot and I'm giving my unfiltered um, opinions and i'm also not an expert so I'm, the advice i'm giving you i'm not saying i'm an expert i'm just telling you what has been working for me lately
0: no but that's good to just have this information out there and I hope people actually reach out because I can't answer those questions, but thank you for sharing.
1: (laughs) Sure. Sorry if it was a little too over the time. No, it was
0: good. It was good. Um, So very last question because we're already at an hour. Where can people find you online? Do you have any projects coming out, any speaking engagements you can just go plug away?
1: Okay, sure. Um, So you can find me on Facebook uh, either under Betsy Colley or Rapid Results Fitness. Either one is fine. Instagram, that's also under Betsy Colley. Um, the, um, I don't have any speaking engagements coming up. We were going to do, uh, my colleagues Karen Smith and Delane Ross and I do um, a strength retreat. We were actually supposed to be in Corpus Christi the third weekend in, in September, but that got um, canceled because we didn't have enough um, participation at that time that we felt we should have a certain number. Um, But maybe with this weather that's going crazy in the last two weeks, maybe it was a a sign from Divine Intervention that we don't need to be in Corpus Christi that week. (laughs) Um, So I don't have anything burning right now. I do have music courses going on right now, though. I'm going to be doing one in Wilmington, North Carolina um, in September, um, coming up on September 17th. And so I've got that going, and then... Um, I do a lot of long-distance coaching, so if anyone wants to uh, prep for a certification or work on some specific goals that they really feel like they need expert advice in, I'm happy to help with that. Um, That's about it. You know, I'm long-distance training, personal training, and working out of my gym, and then teaching music courses and uh, strong first serve. So I'm readily available for anyone, usually by email is the quickest way to uh, get me.
0: Perfect. So thank that, you. S- sorry, go on.
1: Huh. Well, as we say, the email address is bcolly at nc.rr.com
0: Perfect. So I just want to thank you so much for your time. This was amazing.
1: Thank you so much and I wish you the very best in uh, your gym efforts as well.
0: Alright, so that's going to wrap up episode 64 with Betsy Colley and once again, I'm sorry for The lame Skype connection. Hopefully, you got something out of it and could understand when her connection kind of got lost. But still, again, really great information. Hope you enjoyed it. And I just wanted to bring up one thing again please share this podcast. I would be ever grateful. And, you know, hit me up on social media if you have questions. Email me if you have questions. Check out the website cuttheshitgetfit.com for more information. And until next week, you guys, see you soon.